The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Catch, touch and bang. Dara is a fantastic coach and um, some really, really exciting uh, young players coming through. Um, so there's an awful lot to be uh, excited about and that's really fun. I listen to dancing at the crossroads there about three or four times a week in the car on the way down just to get myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tony is like the party, uh, as we well know. Then we had Billy Byrne, who was going to come in to be the game chair. And we had to put a high ball in from the middle of the field. And Billy Byrne's job was to catch, touch and bang. Catch, touch and bang. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and then hit it. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through take and take. Hello, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Wexford Hurling Podcast. A really positive weekend for Wexford's underage with the Miners beating Offaly. 3-12 to 10 points in Burr on Friday to make it three wins from three and to top their group. And that was followed up with the under-20s getting their championship off to a great start, beating Kilkenny in Wexford Park on Saturday by 2.17 to 20 points. Is it domination of Leinster on the cards, Ben? Yeah, I almost feel sorry for the other teams involved. You had a nice trip to Tullamore on Friday? Yes, uh, drove up from Ferns to Tullamore to see the Wexford Miners. Uh, Realise once I get there that the game was in Burr. <laughs> Did you get to look around Tullamore at least? No, I was just disgusted, so I couldn't hang <laughs> Oh, the, uh, the positive weekend was then marred um, by a disgraceful event in Carrick-on-Shore at a charity match between Wexford and Tipperary, where Lee Chin was subject to racial abuse by a person in the crowd. We've Ursula Jacob joining us this week to chat about that incident, as well as the minor and under-20 victories while we also had to ask her about her selection of clips on the Late Late Show last Friday evening. No, it was, it was, a, good, it was a good goal, you know. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> not everyone's praising Aaron Galan's goal yesterday because he hit it first time. You also hit that one first time. Yeah, so I suppose it was the anticipation and how quickly I came in on, on that, that shot um, was probably, you know a real kind of inside forward who who was nice and close to the goal but yeah look at it was a probably not as as flamboyant as Galan's goal yesterday but sure look at you'll take scoring a goal in in an All Ireland any day I certainly would anyway yeah. my memory is wrong was it the same game as the ground strike yeah it was so that that's obviously where the confusion was <laughs> when they showed the wrong wrong goal I should have specified it was the second goal uh, that I struck off the ground that that I wanted them to show, but look at yeah, two goals that day in the in the 2012 All Ireland. It's hard to believe it's 11 years. Not too bad, two goals in All Ireland final. Any 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 points? Yeah, I got a few points that day too. <laughs> Seven. Remind me, Ben, when when we had um, Mick Jacob on, did he pick between Ursula's goal and Mick's goal after? Yes, he is- did. And I can tell you which goal he picked. <laughs> which one was it, Ursula? 
obviously it was not my goal. Um, <laughs> I suppose I'll forgive him because, you know, any any time that a Wexford Harland team beats Kilkenny like that, look, he, he, he didn't even hesitate to say Michael's goal. <laughs> oh, I, had, I hadn't even finished the question. <laughs> yeah people think he he struggles to answer which goal and i'm like no he'll say that one all day every day <laughs> that was a great goal now <laughs> it was but like maybe don't make it so obvious say oh it's hard to say yeah, maybe that's the pick the, the clip you should have picked for the little edge <laughs> <laughs> say this is my father's favorite clip. <laughs> speaking of michael he is manager of the wexford minor team he is. Three wins from three, straight into a semi-final. Are we now? We're on for the treble. Leinster minor, under twenty, and senior. My God, we're we're speaking very ambitious here this morning. Um, yeah, look at they've had three really good wins. I think obviously the most crucial win of of them all was was against Dublin in Wexter Park last week. Um, in very very tough conditions, and I have to say I was really impressed with the team overall. How they kind of withstood the Dublin challenge and, you know, they've improved in each game um, and they've put in a serious amount of work to both the management and the players and, you know, their conditioning and everything is, is you know, at a very high level. And I think that's standing to them in these games. Um, but obviously the, the goal at the start of the, of the year was to win the three games in your group and they've done that. Um and even there on Saturday or on Friday, playing awfully, you know, beating awfully up in Burr is not an easy thing to do. Wexford teams over the years have, you know, always struggled to beat an awfully team, you know, away from away from home. And they did so and they got a really, really brilliant start and they were able to build on that as well. So, yeah, it's really positive. Uh, things are going well. Each day there seems to be someone different standing up as well. Um, it's not just the same kind of, players uh, you know every day there's someone you know even Liam Cooney who didn't start the previous two games against Kerry and Dublin he started then against Offaly last week and you know he got player of the match he scored one two he was so lively he was out in front for every ball he won a couple of frees so that's what you want from a team Um, you want competition from places I think Michael and uh, Helena my sister who's involved as well was saying to me I think they've used 22 players in the three games and that's good too because it shows how there's competition for places how it's driving each of the players on um and in each game they've brought on probably three four or five players so um yeah it's all positive so far and top in the group means they possibly avoid Obviously, they avoid Galway on the other side for the time being, who are who are considered one of the strongest teams in it. So, um, yeah, they'll have to wait to see how the the quarterfinals go, um, to see how they, you know, who they who they'll play in the semi final. They seem to be built on quite a strong defence. If you look, they conceded eight, eight points against Kerry. That's yeah, uh, one eight against Dublin and ten points against Offaly. You won't if you're only conceding that amount, you won't be losing too many games. 100% and look at you you have to say like Charlie Rourke center back like he's uh an awesome player I've been so impressed from him you know he's just so powerfully strong in the air he's a brilliant hurler his reading of the game is so so impressive you know he's able to cover a huge amount of ground as well and obviously he's a very physically imposing player um another player who's really impressed me in defense is Patrick Kinsley in in cornerback 
for a guy who's maybe not, you know, of the same build as Charlie Rourke, he is just such a tight and tenacious cornerback. Like, I hate to mark him because he's stuck to you like glue and he's always out in front. And as you said, Wexford's defence, and especially the last day, even against Offaly, when, when Offaly were kind of coming more into the game, they really stood their ground. They got the numbers back. Uh, you know, and the thing is, they're setting up good plays for the, the forwards as well. Doran Daly O'Toole wing back. You know, he's really, really attacking there. Even our puckouts, you know, I'd have to say Paddy Quigley, you know, he's been really good in the three games, but he's he he's hitting his puckouts with purpose, not just lobbing them down on top of the half hour line in midfield. He seems to be finding his players. And that's really, really what you want from your goalie. Um, and even Kieran Doyle, uh, fullback, you know, he was on probably Dublin's most dangerous forward in the second game. And, you know, he stuck with him. He stuck at it. And in the end, he come out. He came out with some really vital balls. So, yeah, defensively, we, we look very uh, formidable. Um, and as I said, Charlie really leads the pack there, centre-back. Well, obviously, yeah, um, you look good. I think they beat Kenny by 13 points, I think. Yeah, like Galway... You know, and I would have been speaking to Joe Cannon um, a few weeks ago up in RT when we were on the telly. And he's an, obviously involved with the Galway uh, minor team. And look, he, he wasn't being, too, you know, hiding or behind anything. He said they're very good. Um, he said, obviously, young Nyland. He said he probably hasn't seen as good of a young player um, in a long time in, in young Nyland. He said he's just, he's got it all. So look, Wexler can only worry about themselves at the moment and uh, whoever they're going to meet in the Leinster semi-final. More than likely, you you probably would say it will be Kilkenny who will come through, but at minor level, you'll never you never know what could happen. Um, and um, Wexford will just have to kind of you know train hard over the next coming weeks. But they've built up good momentum and confidence from getting those three wins, and I think that's really important at this age group because. Um, you know, they're only young guys. They're so, so young. You think maybe they're a lot older than they are when they're out in the field, but they're still only 16, 17 years of age. Um, and in the next couple of weeks, they have a couple of Celtic Challenge games as well. So that allows anyone that hasn't started or played with the minors to, to play uh, a couple of games. And maybe someone from that will impress and they'll step up um, and maybe come on or start in the Leinster semi-final. So I think they've killed Kenny this Saturday in the Celtic Challenge. So... Um, it gives some of the other guys a, a chance to impress for the management team. One thing that I loved to see is for Liam Cooney's goal, the quick thinking from Jamie Doyle from the free, rather than just you know popping over the point that just I, I love when a team is always thinking and trying to get a, a bigger advantage to take that quick free into, into Liam for the goal. Yeah, Jamie had a, another really good game and you know, obviously excellent with his freeze again. And the easy option there was just to tap the ball over the bar because Wexford were winning. Um, it was closing on goal. But again, it was that quick thinking and just even thinking outside the box. And that's what you need from a player. And I just thought it was very unselfish play from Jamie um, you know, to, to, to give that quick pass. And awfully, we're completely caught off guard. And, and Liam, as I said, buried the ball in the back of the net. And he, you know, he... He really kind of showed why he deserved to be starting in that game as well. And I suppose Michael even spoke after the game. He said, you know, it's whoever is playing good, whether it's in training or if they come on in games, you know, they're not picking uh, based on what clubs they're from. He's picking on who's playing well. And I think, you know, in fairness, uh, Liam came on in the previous two games and he showed why 
he he should start against Offaly. But to be fair, look at Jason Roster came on then as well, who had been dropped. And again, he he came on and got a cracking goal as well. So, you know, that's the attitude you want from your subs. Or if you've been dropped, you want to you want these guys not to be sulking or not to be feeling sorry for themselves. You want them going out and saying, well, look, I want to get my place back on the team. And Jason got a great goal as well. When the teams are announced and they're put over social media, it's obvious that there's, there's a huge extended panel as well. Is that to do with the, the Celtic Challenge? Is there two teams Yeah, in that? I think there's there's 40 plus players in training with the minors. So obviously it's to accommodate um, the Celtic Challenge players as well. So as I said, I think it was 22 players they used across the three games so far. And then the, the guys who haven't been played will be involved this weekend against Kilkenny. And I think they've Cork then as well in in the Celtic Challenge. So, look, huge numbers, and it's great that you have big numbers like that. But obviously, you have to be fierce organised with your training sessions to manage that as well. But, um, you know, there's Michael has a, a great backroom team, and even David Kyo, the strength and conditioning. As I said, I've really noticed Wexford's strength and conditioning this year has been really impressive because in that Dublin game in Wexford Park, it was a really physical encounter. And I think Wexford really stood up to that. Um, you know, one 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 moment in particular at the end. Now Jack obviously had to go off at the end, but Jack Dunn won a vital free on the sideline uh, just in front of the the subs in Wexford Park, and it was a huge moment in the game because Dublin were really fighting back, looking to get that equal or to get that winning score. And um, he he just stood his ground, and I think he showed great physicality there. So it's a huge credit to the likes of David Kyo with the strength and conditioning. And as I said, the guys obviously are, are doing a lot of work and training as well. Um, you know, Michael's name is there as manager, but he's a great backroom team as well. And they deserve huge credit as well. Is he okay, uh, Jack Dunn? I think. Well, he he obviously missed the Offaly game uh, through injury. Um, I think, you know, it wasn't that they were thinking they were just going to beat Offaly, but um, they didn't want to risk um, making the injury any worse. So, look, I expect he'll be okay by the time the, the Leinster semi-final. And Jack has had a great year so far as well. He got a brilliant goal against Kerry midfield and then, um, you know, did huge work against Dublin that day. So, look, at, um, it gives other guys to step in when, when someone's injured. And that's naturally going to happen when you've three games in three weeks. So... Jack, look, a club mate of mine, a great player, huge talent, and you'd be hoping he will be back the next day because Wexford will need, you know, everyone available uh, for whoever they're going to be playing in, in a Leinster semi. A nice, uh, a nice stat that came to us from from Ed Rowson was that uh, Liam Dunn, Jack's daddy, scored a goal in his first Leinster Championship minor game, and so did Jack. So Jeez, I didn't know that now. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he go on to have a similar career. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like Jack's, I don't know if you saw it, but Jack's goal against Kerry was absolutely top notch, and um, he he absolutely buried it. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be worth checking it out if you could see it still on the if it was live streamed. I'm not too sure, but I was there on the day, and I just thought it was a, a brilliant goal. Both midfielders that day got a goal, and they were both uh, top class. Sean Highland and, and Jack Dunn, the two of them. So that's what you want from your midfielders. If they're scoring goal, it's a it's a really positive sign. Yeah. Ben, have you had any uh, any input into Charlie Rourke's development training him growing up? Now, uh, <laughs> you can't take any. Say, he probably. Breathed some of the same air that I breathed. All right, okay. So look, that's a small bit of credit. <laughs> <laughs>
The under-20s then had a decent win against, we'll say, an understrength, little understrength Kilkenny side. Were you impressed by them to win 217 to 20 points in Wexford Park? Were you impressed by them? Yeah, it was a funny game in some ways because they started poor and probably finished poor. You know, Kilkenny went into a, a strong start, you know, with six points to to zero after, what, seven or eight minutes. And, you know, you were, you know, slightly worried where Wexford going to, you know, really fall far behind. Um, but credit to Wexford, they didn't panic um, and they came back into it. It came back to it, into it really well. Um, and then they'd be disappointed with how they finished because I remember looking up, there was, what, 10 minutes to go and Wexford were 217 to 15 points. And you're thinking, you know, eight points, they'll either push on or they'll, they'll hold the lead. And then Kilkenny got five points on, on the bounce and you're kind of looking, there was only a goal in it at the end and Kilkenny were really pushing for that for that goal. But look, any day that Wexford beat Kilkenny at any grade is, is a positive. Um, obviously, Wexford have lots to work on and improve on. They're going to have another huge game this Saturday against Dublin, who had a big win against Galway. So Wexford know they will have to put in a more consistent performance across the 60 minutes, but there was lots of positives as well. I think, you know, they scored 212 from play. There were seven different scores. Um, you know, there was some really positive performance. Luke Murphy, Keane Byrne, Connor Foley, you know, right across the field, there was really excellent scores. The two goals we got were really well taken. We could have possibly had maybe even two or three more. Um, so at least we're creating those chances. Um, and we didn't concede any goals. So look, there I I'd be focusing on the positives, but knowing that in the back of your mind, you'd have to improve on that performance um, to beat a Dublin or Galway going ahead. They really were like the first another they went behind six points or six points to zero, I think, was it? But they, yeah. really were, they were dropping balls under no pressure at the start. Yeah, and I don't know, was it was it nerves? Was it, you know, I, I, sometimes maybe it, it takes teams a little bit of time to settle and their use of the ball probably wasn't where where it should have been. Um, and when you some lethal inside forwards, you know, you want to get the right ball into them. And some of those Kilkenny defenders, like they were very physically imposing. They were very big men. You, you know, lobbing in high balls in on them, you weren't going to get much out of it. But once Wexford started spreading the ball out to the wings, running off the shoulders, I felt Wexford exposed Kilkenny then by, by playing like that. And Wexford have huge pace up front as well. So it's about utilising that and um, bringing the best out of the players because you need to play to your strengths, obviously, not, you know, playing to the, 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 the opposition. But look, again, it's their first competitive championship game and they will no doubt improve on it, which you would hope. But going into the next game, you know, playing Dublin up in Parnell Park, like, Again, another place where it's never easy to come out with a win. But look, they've got the couple of points on the board now and uh, they'll hopefully learn from a few of the mistakes that they made last week against Kilkenny. I was amazed myself at just my own views after seeing the first seven, eight minutes when they were six points down and I, and I was worried myself. And my feeling was just because of the way it was going, oh, Kilkenny look bigger, stronger, faster, like are Wexford up to it at all but then the next 10 minutes when Wexford absolutely dominated it was Wexford that that looked bigger stronger faster just because they were dominating but but it was the use of the ball mostly that was so impressive like never hitting aimless balls down to the forwards always finding the man yeah and and 
some of the important scores to get us back into it. Like, as you said already, there was a nice spread of scorers. You had Luke Murphy getting, uh, I think, our uh, possibly our first point, maybe our first point from play. Yeah, he got ja- the first one, yeah. Jack Redmond nipped in with points. Corey burned on bar. Like, th- there was such a great spread and every everyone contributing. And that's what you want, obviously, from your, from your attack. And, you know, I think Wexer didn't panic either. It maybe took him the 10 minutes to settle. Um, but I, I would be impressed how they fought back and went in halftime level. And Wexford would have been happy enough with that, considering their slow start. And as you said, it wasn't just one guy that was popping up with the scores. It was three or four of the guys. And, um, you know, as I said, up front, I would have been very impressed at times how some of their play, like even the couple of goals, like the build up to those goals were excellent. It was a real, the both goals were real team goals. You know, lots of really running off the shoulder passes. And then obviously both Keane and Luke finished the, the, the goals brilliantly. But, you know, at this level, again, at under 20, um, it's about having, you know, strength and depth in the team as well. It's You can't just be relying on one guy. And look, Wexford came desperately close in the Leinster final last year against Kilkenny, you know, uh, by lo- only losing by a point. So they'll want to get back up to that stage. But obviously they have a few huge games uh, over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, there was lots of positives for me. Um, and look, you'll forgive that maybe they start, started slowly. Maybe there was a little bit of nerves um, and whatever. And that can happen. And you'd be hoping that the next day they'll settle a little bit quicker. I suppose if you're coming away from beating Kilkenny by three points in, in a Leinster Championship and you're upset with parts of the performance, it's not a bad place to be. Because <laughs> even keep talking to Peter Marna on Wexford GA TV afterwards, like it's not as if he's not aware that there, there's improvement there for the Wexford team. 100%. And the thing is, you know, the, the brilliant thing this year about I'm glad that they made that change that it's not knockout um, in the Leinster, in the under 20, because last year it was, whereas this year you get to play the few games, you know, I'm sure by the, by the Galway game, which is, you know, they're playing Dublin next and then Galway by the Galway game, they'll even have tweaked one or two more things because the more games you play, the more you learn about your players, about your teams, because you can play all the challenge games you want. But it's only when you go and play championship games, you know, in the real heat of the battle, you'll see who'll stand up. You'll see who can, you know, pop up with the vital score or get a great block in. It's only in the championship battles that you'll fully know that. Um, And I think that's the the positive thing this year, that Wexford get to play a few games before it gets to knockout stages. You you have a different opinion on the format, Ben, do you? Yeah, I've always had an issue with the under-20 format. First, firstly, years ago, now it's better than it was, but le- years ago it was like <clears throat> 10 teams, but yet two teams get directly through to a semi-final, which I found ridiculous. Surely you just play four quarterfinals and, and two preliminary. Why one team, and say Dublin last year, played one game and that's it. Yeah. This year, I really think the group with no jeopardy, the group Wexford are in, four teams, and no team can get eliminated, I think, is fairly ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah, but, like, if, what would you prefer if, if Wexford played Kilkenny there last weekend and just say if Wexford got beaten? Good luck, good night, that's the, the end of no, your no. under 20. No, no but, think- like, last year it was knockout, you know, and you can't have Munster under 20 championship playing round robin and Leinster last year was knockout. Like that doesn't make sense either. There should be consistency with both Munster and Leinster. 
No, I, I think it's better. It's better. Yeah. But in a group of four, there should be, should be some sort of jeopardy where if you lose all three games, you, you know, you should be gone. Like. Three <laughs> games. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, well, look at... Yeah, anyone that's losing three games and are still in the championship, you would question that format. We, yeah, I can definitely we, say that after Wexford have won the first one. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, what we should say is, as long as Wexford keep winning, we'll be happy enough. But yeah, I do see your point that there maybe should be some risk that, or jeopardy, or whatever way you want to phrase it, that if you're losing three championship games, should you still be involved in the championship? Possibly not. But the, the flip side is, no one should be just gone from the championship by losing one game. Good luck. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely not. There's too much, so tra- it's finding, there's too much training. I think it's finding the balance between the two. It probably needs to be tweaked a little bit again. Um, but that, uh, the way that minor is done. Yeah. I think that's very good. The top team gets straight through to a semi. The second team goes to a quarter final. Yeah. The third team goes to a preliminary quarter final, and the team who finishes fourth is out. So yeah. every, every game it means something. Yeah. And obviously, if you lose all three, you're gone because you don't deserve to be in it. Yeah, and look, at you could see, obviously, just at the minor level, how much Kerry were struggling. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're gone. Like So, yeah, I do see your point. Um, it's probably just getting the balance between the two. Because um, as you said, um, someone, a team definitely shouldn't be still in the championship if, if they've lost all three group games and then they're in a quarterfinal still, if you know what I mean. So... Yeah, they probably do need to tweak it. Um, but look, we'll just focus that and pray that Wexford keep winning their games and we don't have to worry about that. Absolutely. Um, I also, I mean, we've talked about there being great performances all over the field, but I also want to make sure we mention Michael Dundon and Derek Hill in the full back line. So I thought they were immense as well. I mean, Mike, Michael Dundon, I don't know if he was reminding me of Keith Rossiter himself or, or of Liam Ryan, but like he's not a man I'd be too keen on going in and marking. No, and you know, especially there at the end when Kilkenny were really throwing everything at the, the Wexford defence, you know, I, I felt that Wexford really stood up well to them and Kilkenny were pressing hard for a goal. And yeah, I definitely would say Michael at full back, you know, he he was excellent. He linked up well with Connor centre back as well. So that's what you want from your full and centre back. You want these guys showing that potential because, you know, you look, these are the guys that hopefully will make the step up onto the senior as well. So it's great to see that kind of positivity, positivity in our defence. And obviously when you've keep managing the team as well, he's probably given lots of tips on how to play in the full back line. So um, it's no harm having someone like that giving you uh, some guidance and advice going into a game. I think there's some there is some strength and depth there as well. Like if you look at the team last year, I think Liam Shuckman played uh, nearly every game last year except the final. Uh, Shamie O'Hagan played yeah. every game. Oshin Pepper played senior last year, and none of the three of them started started at the weekend. Yeah, and that's what you, you, you need um, because when you've games kind of coming ticket fast too, you could have injuries popping up as well. But to be able to bring on those guys who had the experience of playing last year, and it was actually nice seeing a couple of the minors uh, from last year making the step up as well, Dylan Purcell, Sean Rowley, even Simon Roach coming on. So, you know, that's the purpose of, you know, developing these players as well from minor, that they make the step up onto um the, the under 20s and then the under 20s make the step up to senior but having the competition from places no doubt 
you'll see that there'll be changes again to the team. And when you're trying to fight for a spot on the team, you know, you you really, it, it does drive you on that a little bit more. When you know you have someone like an Oshin Pepper, who, as you said, has had senior experience, is on the is on the sideline. Well, you as a forward know that you need to step up, you know, to a, a high level and perform because you know if you don't, you'll be off fairly quickly. But yeah, even Shamey coming on around the middle of the field, half forward line, you know, he, he his physical presence was was vital probably, and he won a, a couple of really good possessions as well. So yeah, I think it, it's positive all all round for Wexford really. Yeah, yeah, Sean Rowley, I thought was he was he brought a very energetic uh, display out around the middle as well. I thought he was very good. Is, is there a fear now for this Wexford team that some of these players might be going up to senior? And we know that there's that rule again that you can't play the two codes. Uh, is it in the same weekend at the moment? You can't play a senior and under 20 in the same weekend? Is it, the, is it the seven-day gap, is it? Seven-day gap. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously that's that's obviously the, the risk now. Um, you know, obviously you have... The Wexford got you'll have the under 20s playing this weekend, but obviously then the following weekend is going to be the, the Wexford Galway senior game. And yeah, at the end of the day, you know, these young players have all no doubt the ambition to play at senior level. But you know, you you don't want this thing that happened last year where you know Oshin wasn't it Oshin? Oshin, yeah, yeah Oshin yeah, was who, missing. Who didn't who missed out, you know, and like I I be I be saying that some of these guys who had brilliant games at the weekend, but they probably still have to, you know, find their feet at at their own grade first as well. You know, throwing them in against Galway in a in a senior opener like that's a huge step up. You know, some of those Galway senior players like imagine coming up against the Parik Mannions and Cooney's Joseph Cooney's and Garod McInerney's like they're a different kettle of fish. Um, and you you just you know, these under 20s, yeah, they have huge potential, but they probably need, a, you need a little bit of patience and time with them as well. You could see Billy Drennan yesterday against Limerick. Like, he's been one of Kilkenny's leading players, um, both at under 20 and in the league. But when it came up against a team like Limerick, he was blown out of water, you know. So that step up is not just as simple as some people might think. Um, and starring and playing well at under 20 level, yes, it's positive. Yes, it's brilliant. But it, it, it's a it's another it's another level performing and playing well at senior I think so that is that Ursula's warning to, to Dara to leave the under 20s alone for now <laughs> I'm sure Dara Egan is not listening to me saying that but, um look Dara has a job to do as well in fairness and he's going to be basing his team on who's doing well at training who's performing uh in the challenge games um and you know, Wexford have a huge battle ahead of them in that opening game. You know, it's hard to believe when you think of it. Now, I know Wexford haven't played Galway every year since 96, but Wexford haven't beaten Galway at senior level since 96. Like, when you think of it. So we do struggle to beat Galway. Um, and obviously, we've got a few draws in the last couple of years. Obviously, Drew and Wexford Park last year, but... Um, Wexford are going in into Hell's Kitchen up in Salt Hill in, in a couple of weeks and no, you know Dara is going to have to obviously pick his best team and making sure whoever's available and injury free is ready for a titanic battle really Honor Foley is the big worry uh, of to be used by the senior team yeah especially considering how I thought he was instrumental in that victory at the weekend 100% he's such a classy player um, you know, and he like 
he is going to be like a future star even at senior level and he's already a brilliant player but as again he's reading of the game his distribution with the balls into the forwards he's tackling you know you can see how much he's come on as a player too um and you could see the little bit of even the little bit of senior experience he's had um he brought that to the game against Kilkenny in the under 20 so I think he's probably the most likely player who will who will maybe feature in the in the Wexford senior setup but um, obviously, it depends on how some of the other senior players are injury-wise, and if they're you know fit and available. But yeah, Connor, you know, is such a classy player. Like, uh, and he couldn't help being a classy player because I remember his mother, Catherine Foley, one of Ratnure's best players ever, um, back in the nineties, and she was some player. So it's no wonder he's just as good because she was a staunch pullback and a brilliant player. So he's definitely got it from his mother anyway. Usually, Ursula, you know, there's a lot of, we see a lot of online outrage and maybe people want to cancel someone. People want to make big deals out of something that it's not that much and things are, usually online outrage is negative and it's over the top. Yeah. Is this one of the rare occasions when the online outrage is justified considering what happened 100% yeah i absolutely was appalled um to see the the first tweet i saw about was dean godison who obviously was at the game um and for him to say that you know lee chin uh was racially uh, abused it was absolutely sickening it was vile it was disgusting it was i could think of probably 20 more words um, in this day and age. Could you imagine going to a charity game with the intention to racially abuse someone? Like, where does the mindset of someone like that come into, you know, into play? Um, I'd have absolutely zero tolerance, zero tolerance for it. You know, if, if this person who, who you know, uh, used that language towards Lee Chin, if they find out who this person is and by all accounts people know who who made the, the comments that person should never ever be allowed at a GA game again and that's what I mean by zero tolerance tolerance because uh racism shouldn't be allowed in any walk of life but it definitely should not be allowed at a GA game because no one whether it's Lee Chin or anyone else doesn't deserve that um like you know, I absolutely was just disgusted by it. And, um, you know, you can see by the outcry on social media, you can see the support that Lee has received. You can see how everyone, you know, is rallying behind Lee and saying it shouldn't be allowed, it shouldn't be tolerated. And I actually feel for Tipperary as well, because this is one one individual um, who's complete, completely tarnishing Tipperary's name um, with this kind of language. Um, you know, it's not the Tipperary players' fault. It's not the Tipperary management's fault. But they must be completely embarrassed that this would go on and that someone, a so-called Tipperary supporter, would use that language. Um, so, yeah, for me, absolute zero tolerance for it. And if the person is identified, they should never be allowed to attend the GA match again. They shouldn't be allowed to be a member in a GA club because if you have that seeping into something like the GA, well, then... You know, you, you you could have other people um, acting the same. So for me, it's absolute. It should be completely not tolerated in any in any shape or form. It's very doubtful people don't know uh, the situation, but just in case, so Wexford played a challenge 
a charity challenge game against Tipperary in Carrick on Shore on Saturday. And at the end of the game, a member of the crowd uh, meant to be supporting the game shouted in racial comments at Lee Chin. Tipperary have come out with a statement in relation to it, saying the Tipperary senior hurlers played Wexford this afternoon in a senior challenge game hosted by the Carrick Swan Club. Unfortunately, as the game entered the closing stages, a member of the public who was not connected to either Tipperary GA or Carrick Swan Club made racial comments which were directed at a member of the Wexford team. Tipperary GA wished to say quite clearly that this kind of behaviour behavior is totally unacceptable and has absolutely no place at our games or in our society. Tipperary GA, along with the senior hurling management players and the Carrick Swan GA club do not condone this kind of behaviour and wish to distance ourselves from any such comments. Both Tipperary and Wexford GA county boards have been in contact with each other in relation to this incident and are fully committed to having the incident investigated fully. And then we had Michal Martin on Southeast Radio on Sunday as well, speaking about it and again condemning it and saying that they're they're working with Tipperary GAA to investigate it. It, it obviously shows that they know who the person is because they've said that they're confident that he's not a member of Tipperary GAA yeah. or or the Carrick Club. Um, but the, the the outrage is warranted because. And, and, like, do, do you need to make an example of this person? Lee Chin was on the Late Late Show in 2012 with Jason Sherlock after experienced racism in a club game by by players. And at the time, I looked back on the on the interview uh, yesterday, and the the bans were eight weeks, I think. And when Ryan Tuberty asked Lee, "Is that enough?" Lee was like, "No, no." And, and Ryan seemed surprised, but. Like I think maybe that shows how, how far, how, how, like it was, it was such so good for Lee to do that at the time to bring yeah. light to it, and and Jason Sherlock was actually saying that Lee coming public with this and and his how upset he was at it made him more uh, confident to speak against it and all that he went through as well. But like eight, eight weeks is not enough for something like this. Uh, you, you're saying completely throw pe- the people out. One hundred percent. Like I'm sorry, but whoever that person was you know, they fully know that those comments, well, I'd be, I'd be hoping to God they'd know that that wouldn't be accepted, but no way should that person be allowed. I, I wouldn't have any, this thing of only given, you know, an eight-week ban. But what lessons is that person going to learn from that? They obviously are not someone who has any kind of um, respect for people. Um, or, 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 you know, like, as I said, going to a charity game to then racially abuse someone, you know, like what kind of mindset would you have to have to, to, to be that kind of person? So for me, no, I, I wouldn't allow that person anywhere near um, a GA match. I would go that strong. You might say, is that an over the top reaction? But I think if you're, if you're accepting that, oh yeah, eight weeks, you can go again to a match and then abuse someone again. Yeah, yeah. No, for me, there's no tolerance with it. And I'd be very strong on that because I'm sure Lee Chin didn't think uh, what 11 years later he still was going to be dealing with something like that like we're in 2023 like like Lee Chin is a proud Wexford and Irish man he's a, one of like the all-time greats he's a brilliant role model for so many people out there Um, and he shouldn't have to he's going out to play the game he loves he shouldn't yeah. have to be dealing with this and it's like a um, you know I'm sure he's bombarded with messages texts, phone calls media wanting to speak to him he's trying to prepare for 
um, you know, a Leinster Championship game now and all this added distraction of people. And I'm sure there's so many people just sending messages of support and that's okay. Um, but like Lee is a very modest uh, guy. He's not at all, you know, he doesn't get caught up in the hype of, of stuff or anything like that. And I just think he shouldn't, um, he shouldn't have to deal with this kind of nonsense and disgraceful behavior. So look, I'd be hoping that if they do have, if they do know who this person is, um, that they they do get the the, the correct um, punishment, and for me, that's never to be allowed at a, a GA match again. Unfortunately, it is, and you, you say eleven years later, but it's not. Wouldn't be just an isolated incident. No, there definite reports in twenty nineteen in the semi final that there were there was racist abuse hurling. My sister turned around to a fella in 2019 in Crow Park to tell him to shut up, shouting racist comments in. Now, obviously, no one's going to hear them on the pitch in Crow Park, but in a smaller venue... But that still doesn't matter whether... If Lee Chin didn't hear those comments in in Crow Park, which obviously he wouldn't, but your sister heard the comments. Other people heard the comments. So, like, if if, if people like that think that that's okay, and then if, if people who are hearing comments like that think oh well he shouted that in so can I shout in something similar that's the knock-on effect yes you or me know that that's not acceptable but someone else might think oh sure that fella shouted in those comments at Lee Chin sure it must be okay you know that's the kind of knock-on effect that's why I wouldn't have any tolerance and I'm unfortunately I don't think this will be the last time Lee Chin or others will get racial comments uh, thrown at him because some people just don't have any class and this person obviously doesn't. So um, unfortunately, I don't think this is going to be the last we'll hear of something like this. Um, but that's why I would have absolutely zero tolerance. It's not good enough just saying you have an eight-week ban. Like, come on. And They'd Lee, be back for an All-Ireland final if they had an eight-week ban. Lee, Lee is all those things. Like, Lee is like a specimen of a man in terms of his physical ability, his hurling ability. He's a great community person, a great role model for children. But that, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he wasn't a role model for children, if he wasn't a good hurler, if he wasn't a nice lad, it doesn't matter. You can't go and racially abuse anyone, regardless of how good or bad they are. I think that that needs to be said as well. And, and that's the thing that I definitely would like to reinforce that, that this is not even just about like Lee Chin. This is the wider society. Yeah. This is not just about the GEA. This isn't accepted whether you're just Joe Bloggs walking down the street or uh, going to the shop to buy some bread. Like No one in any environment should be racially abused, but it's just been highlighted to us in this manner because of Lee Chin and the fact that now, you know, I'm sure you've probably seen the footage of it. You know, that's yeah. the thing about mobile phones. Everything is recorded these days. Um, and like, could you imagine being that person and like the clip all over social media? Like, how could you go around uh, just acting normal as if that's okay and acceptable? Um, and I'm sure there wasn't thousands of people at that game. So the person is probably easily identify, uh, identifiable. Um, but I'd also like to just say, look, a fair play to the Wexford lads. Absolutely, uh, yeah. His teammates. Um, you know, they showed huge restraint for not, you know, engaging in a physical fight with the person. Um, but I'd say massive kudos to them for standing up uh, for their team. Calling them out on it straight away. Calling them out straight away. Because, you know, like 
you could the easy thing could have been just to walk away and whatever but i i'm actually very proud that they they called this person out there and then um and they held themselves in in a really good way so from wexford's point of view i'd be really proud of of them and lee chin and all the rest of the teammates but it just shows that those guys have lee's back as well so um that's yeah. that's a positive i mean from from my own perspective my wife is Chinese and my daughter then obviously is half Irish half Chinese and she's just over two and a half and she'd be proud of both and I mean the comments that were shouted in there's nothing wrong with being a Chinaman now Lee's father is Malaysian but there's nothing wrong with that it's the fact that it was used as an insult uh, is is the part but I'd have to I, I have to consider now when I'm going to matches, if I bring my wife and if I bring my daughter, are are they going to have to listen to something like that? Or when my daughter starts to play, is she going to be subject? And do I want her? Do I yeah. want to put her in an environment where this can this can happen? Like Ben Ben asked me the question, what what would I do if I was there at the match with, with my wife and daughter or even without them? And I heard those comments like, I honestly don't know what my reaction would be. I'd like to think I wouldn't get violent. I'm not a violent person, but... Yeah. I, I I'd still I, I'd be confronting him. I just don't know what that would do or where it would go from there. But my God, wouldn't it be hard for you to just sit and listen? Couldn't couldn't just sit and listen to it with with your wife and and your child. And the thing is, you don't want to um be sheltering your child away from if if she wants to go on and play camogie or hurling or any other sport for fear that those kind of comments are going to be thrown at her. Um, yeah. And it's the same with your wife you're a mad GA person who goes to games, but are you now thinking, God, do I want to be bringing my wife for fear? And it's an awful feeling, it, whether like going to matches or walking along the street, if there's a level of fear there that you don't want them experiencing those kind of comments or hearing that kind of language from someone else that could be sitting beside them in Crow Park or Tarlis or wherever. Um, and it just makes you think when you hear your own example there, that like, the knock-on effect for other people with something like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, I go back to Lee talking on the Late Late Show in 2012, yeah. and he talked about like he had to grow up with it yeah. um, in in school and, and around the town and stuff. But at least in the GA, somewhere where it should be controlled, that it is a safe place. Like it, the, the GA is for everyone. 100%, yeah, 100%. And that's, that's what, you know, the GA, as you said, it's such a community thing. There's there's a role for everyone in the GA, whether you're a player, a mentor, a hurley carrier, working on the committee, making sandwiches. It's a place for everyone. But as you said, it's a safe place as well. Yeah. Um, and you don't want it getting to the stage where it turns off people getting involved, whether as a player, an administrator, a volunteer, or whatever, because they're afraid of, of incidents like this. And like for the most part, there's genuine, great, brilliant uh, GA people out there. Like we'll go to all these matches over the summer, whether it's Galway, Kilkenny or whatever, and you have the banter and crack with, with the other supporters. Yeah, we all do get riled up if a decision goes against us, if you know a, a player you know gets involved in a row, these things. But it's when it goes, you know, crosses that line and that, that person at that challenge game crossed the line on Saturday um and that can't be accepted and it can't be tolerated and other people that were there at that game like I'm sure it was uncomfortable for them to hear that language as well you know because as you said you're not someone who's aggressive or gets involved in a fight but my god that would 
that would make your blood boil. You know, you'd find it hard to restrain yourself from someone like that, uh, using that language. But then you don't want to be getting yourself caught up in a physical fight with anyone either. And you don't want that happening where there's brawls at matches or whatever. But that's why those people shouldn't be allowed uh, inside a GA grounds again. Yeah. Because they're, the tri- they're, the, they're not what the GA is about. They're is not it- going to be a loss to the GA if they're not at a game. Absolutely not. Is, is abuse in general an issue in the GAA? Abuse towards referees, abuse towards players, abuse towards like management. You've yeah. you've you've received it as a pundit. You've you've spoke out about it as a pundit. The online yeah. online abuse that you've got. What what can be done about that in general? Or or do you, is it just that you kind of wait for someone to cross the line before it's addressed? Like it's it's gone. It's shocking across the board. Like first of all. Why would you want to be a referee? The abuse, the abuse that you get in person uh, while you're refereeing a game, then you, you'd definitely want to stay off social media. Um, as a player, um, like, and it, all of this is connected to stuff like social media. Like, social media is unbelievably brilliant and positive in so many ways, right? And you can see the positives where everyone rallies behind, you know, someone like Lee Chin and yeah. calls out this person, whatever, right? That's the positives. But then you have the negatives where referees, uh, managers get slated, like Darry Egan or Derek Ling or John Kiley or whatever are not going out to do bad with their teams right um they're do- going out to do their best uh, you can criticize someone you can disagree with maybe the team they select you can whatever but when it gets to the personal nasty uh comments um that's when again it crosses the line um and i suppose it's very much what where i was coming from last year with with, with my kind of statement and whatever it gets to the stage where you know there, there's not there's not so much more you can take of it because it gets to the stage that the enjoyment goes out of stuff and that has players referees mentors whatever um when the when the enjoyment goes out of something it makes it very hard to continue to do that um, and I remember speaking to Liam Sheedy last year up in RT and asking him, like, does he miss inter-county management? And he said, yeah, I do, because he misses the buzz of being involved in a team, getting ready for a big game on the sideline. They're riling on his team. But does he miss the abuse, the impact on his uh, daughters and his wife? Um, no, he absolutely said it got to the next level where it was just just unbelievable it was out of control and he is able to handle it to a certain extent but it's when it's the impact on um family members that's the big one so like the abuse across the the board is probably it's gone ott um i'm not sure how really to solve the issue because that's that's it you can't ban everyone and you can't um, but the trolling that goes on on in social media, whether it's about players, referees, or whoever, it's gone just out of this world, and it's frightening. And you just be worried, like, does it take for something serious to happen uh, for someone to take action on this? Yeah. Um, but like, obviously, one simple thing that would curb some of it is the anonymous accounts that are set up. Like, you should have to verify your account, whether it's with you know uh id or whatever you shouldn't be like i could set up an account in the morning and absolutely abuse the crap out of Darry egan like and no one knows it's me um is that is that right no should it be acceptable no but anyone can set up anything yeah. any I, account 
I wouldn't do that now because you're after saying it and Dara might know it was you. <laughs> well, I can confirm 100%. <laughs> I won't be setting up any anonymous accounts. But do you see what I mean? No, he... no, absolutely. It's 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 too... And it's it's hard not to take notice. I know the easy thing to do is knowing that this person is looking for the reaction because that's why they're doing it anonymously and to know that yeah. they're not going to get any backlash on it and they're giggling away to themselves when when someone comes out to 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 answer back to them basically yeah and you like you're you're worse to engage with people like that because you're usually going to their accounts and they've they've probably two followers like you know and you're kind of like they're only just for the clickbait to to stir up stuff they're only trying to bad mouth someone but could you imagine like sitting at home whether it's on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday evening and just typing away on your laptop or your phone abusing people like you know you'd have to question the character of these and the mindset of these people that that's like that's what they get their 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 highs from by abusing people and trolling people but yeah it is gone to a, a frightening level um and I don't think we're we're seeing any signs of it slowing down at the moment, unfortunately, because it's just, you know, yeah, as you've people who are strong and able to take it and Lee Chin is a strong person and whatever, but what about if someone was a little bit more vulnerable, wasn't Absolutely. able to take that's those it. kind of comments? So that's the seriousness of it. Um, and that's why I wouldn't be taking those comments that that person made last week lightly. Um, because you don't know how it can impact someone behind closed doors. Yeah, we can all put on a front and say, yeah, I'm okay, but behind closed doors, you don't know how it's affecting someone or their family. So that's how serious it is. Um, and it's across the board. It's not just in the GA, it's in the wider society as well. So um, that's why I would have zero tolerance for it. I think the GA can definitely do more. If we just take the example of... Uh... Remember James Owens made made a mistake against Claire Tipperary yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, and he got well, made a mistake, kind of subjective. Well, it was in the rule. What he did was in the rule. Technically, it was <clears> in the yeah. In the rule, he made an interpretation which most people deemed to be wrong, but yeah. he was criticised by the media. He was also criticised heavily by the Clare manager. Yeah. Now, in England, in the, Premier League if a manager criticizes a referee like that he gets a ban but to me James Owens seemed to be hung out to dry by the GA there was there was no protection there was nothing said yeah yeah and and what Brian Lowen said was wrong like he he basically he questioned James Owens character yeah and I I wouldn't agree with that at all and I I definitely think that yeah they should whether it's the referees committee or as you said, someone from the GA probably should have come out and, and backed him. Um, rather, staying quiet is not always the answer um, because the vile abuse that he got online that time, and even you see it still with some clear media outlets, etc. when they see James Owens refereeing a game, they are ready to pounce and you know nearly, nearly find the mistake that he'll make. Um, so that they can nearly bring it back to when they when they got punished that day against Tipperary. So like 
yeah, there definitely should be a little bit more protection out there, whether it's for players, referees, managers, or whatever. Like there, it can't just be like fend for yourself and kind of James, you deal with that because at the end of the day, right? When James came came off that field that day, he was going home and going into work the next morning. Yeah, <clears throat> he's an like he's an ordinary person doing an ordinary thing, you know. And the abuse he got was completely OTT and out of order. Um, and yeah, none of us. None of us are 100% happy ever with referees or whatever, with what decisions to make. But some like the abuse that some of them have got in recent years has just been just shocking. Um, and the protection needs to be there. There needs to be some someone coming out in protection of those kind of people because very soon you're going to see that they're going to struggle to get referees. They're going to struggle to get people to be involved in teams. You're going to see players not able to hack it because if they make a mistake, they're they're going to be all trending on social media. Like I know the GPA are there offering support for players, but I don't know how utilized that is. I'm not sure, but um, you'd be hoping that if, if someone was struggling, they would go to, to someone there. The GPA actually came out with a statement as well. <clears throat> um, they wanted to express their absolute support for and the solidarity with our fellow player Lee Chin. There's no place for the racist abuse Lee suffered in the game. Uh, not only is there no place for this sort of behaviour in our games, but it also needs to be called out for what it is in all parts of our society. We now put our trust in the administrators in both Wexford and Tipperary to investigate the incident and deal with the individual responsible accordingly. What, what does the investigation involve? Because they know who it is. What are they investigating? Like it's very, it's black and white in very much in ways because if if they've identified the person, yeah. then and and there's video footage, audio yeah. footage, yeah. Um, and is it, I suppose, is it is it Tipperary's? Is the onus on Tipperary to be given the punishment because it was in Tipperary, or does it go to a higher authority in the overall GA? Maybe that's what's involved in the investigation. Then I, I don't know. Like as in. If if the game had happened in Wexford, was it up to Wexford GA to, to issue the punishment? And again, I'm not sure do I agree with that because like what what if Wexford decided and said, oh no, sure, you know, and they went a little bit more lenient, like whereas should it go to the overall GA and Tipperary and Wexford bring forward the case about what happened? And there you go. It's I don't know. Should go to the overall because if yeah. it's a Tipperary person, chances are someone in their committee knows them yeah that's what i'm saying so i i think i'd be hoping it goes to the overall ga um and wexford and tipperary cooperate and give them the information about what happened i mean is it a criminal offense as well to be shouting yeah. racial slurs in public yeah like well, yeah. that's what they were saying some people were saying online you know should the guardie be involved at this stage because P- volunteers sitting on GA committees like um are not the Gardaí either like yeah so does it need to be brought forward to to the the G I believe the seriousness of it yeah you probably should be involved in the Gardaí um but I don't know is that is that the way it's going to go I'm sure we'll we'll hear of kind of the consequences over the next couple of days maybe week or that um but you would hope that it's not just going to be pushed under the carpet I don't think it will because it's it's all over social media and everyone's talking about uh and hopefully it'll force people into making a a harsh decision um because you wouldn't want this just swept under the carpet no the the other good thing about the 
complete public outrage is that it's anybody else that might have thought they could have got away with it will hopefully look at that and realize no I, 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 I even if I do have these racist thoughts in my head I'm not going to go shouting them at, at, at a match we shouldn't have to be spend so long talking about this in 2023 but hopefully we'll be able to concentrate on Wexford winning games I, I would think the, the conversation is maybe even more relevant now because the GA is going to become more and more multicultural as the years go on yeah 100% yeah I think it's going to become more of a prominent issue an issue in some ways because some people are just not able to see past certain things and it's the nearly the ignorance or uneducation of not knowing you know how they should you know like their language around certain things or whatever and yeah maybe some people feel uncomfortable in some way but like educate yourself then with what's acceptable or appropriate language to be using um you know i know i have a little six month old now i i'll be making sure she's aware of what's right and wrong um and it's up to parents or whoever to be educating their children too in the language that's acceptable or appropriate yeah absolutely we'll move on to uh more, more positive things and we had two uh great wins over the weekend so now it's time to pick the Hurler of the Week, sponsored by Bolands Wexford. The Bolands 100 deal is back with some amazing deals this April, and you can expect slashed prices, fantastic finance deals, and unbeatable trade-ins, plus comprehensive warranties on all vehicles for your peace of mind. Don't wait. Visit Bolands Wexford Ford, Hyundai, and Volvo in Ferrybank, Wexford Town. Ursula, we had two great underage wins at the weekend. Um, have you any... Selection for our hurler of the week. Um. Well, I suppose I have a couple of nominations. I suppose. Oh, yeah. And, um. Looking at minor, the minor team definitely Charlie Rourke. Uh, for me and uh, Liam Cooney were probably the and Jamie Doyle were probably the couple of um standout players for me against that in that win against uh, Offaly. Uh, under twenties, you know, Connor Foley was excellent centre back. Keen Byrne, Luke Murphy. Um, you know, all put in really impressive performances. If I probably had to pick one overall, um, I'd probably I'd probably go with Luke Murphy. Um, he got one, what one four against Kilkenny. Uh, his goal was a brilliant goal. He got Wexford's opening score, and I thought he looked lively and dangerous every time the ball went into him. His first touch was excellent, um, and he looked dangerous any time the ball went to him. Um, and he brought in the players around him as well. So for me, I think I'll go with Luke on this one. Congratulations to Luke Murphy from Faith Harriers, uh, a worthy winner with 1-4 against Kilkenny. And uh, even the, the different types of scores he got, I thought were brilliant. He, he's not a he's not a huge man, but he's catching high balls to flick one yeah. over the goal. Actually, And he himself, doesn't allow the ball out easy he, either. You know, he's tackling, his work rate is, is impressive as well. So as you said, he's not a, a massive physical presence you know there but he's strong he's, he's strong he, yeah he, he's physically strong even though he's not you know a really um a tall player or whatever but yeah I thought he just was very dangerous anytime it went into him yeah he was electric oh, was a brilliant finish brilliant finish yeah yeah well congratulations to Luke on that thank you Ursula uh, th- thanks a million Ursula no bother no hassle lads I'm sure I'll chat to you soon again I'm sure Damien Fitzhenry is the 
best at what he did. Why ever played it? Unquestionably like the best there ever was. My God, like it was just so good. A magician. The youngest to the 15, uh, nine brothers and five sisters. They just took you in the goal then? Yeah, well, uh, a so-called goal, uh, two tar barrels. So Damien Fitzhenry was the best goalkeeper I ever played, but you know, I'd say, say that. Damien Fitzhenry is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. So I'd probably, like, I'd probably say Damien. So Thanks very much to Ursula for joining us. Great to have her. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it. He said he's on a on an Easter egg hunt. An Easter egg hunt, but Easter's passed. He has. He gave me a weird stat, uh, saying that like something like thirty percent of Easter eggs on Easter egg hunts are not found. So he reckons he's going to find the the remaining eggs. Oh wow! Okay. Anyway, thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to our sponsor, the Enniscorthy Credit Union.